and open to Genesis chapter 11. We're looking this morning at Sarah, who had the opportunity to be a mom. Not every lady gets that opportunity, especially not every lady in Sarah's circumstances. So uh, if you know the life of Sarah, you know she waited a long time for that privilege, and it was a great privilege for her and and in her life. So we're going to look at the life of Sarah this morning. We're going to start in the end of Genesis 11, and we're going to look at a couple of different passages of Scripture, and, and uh, including a couple of them in the New Testament. And just to think about what kind of an example Sarah set for us. Yes, we rejoice that she got to be a mom, and that's why we feature her on Mother's Day. But there were some characteristics of her life that even the men here can learn from and uh, emulate and follow. So uh, Genesis, uh, we'll start reading in uh, chapter 11 in just a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your awesome love for us. We thank you for the way you do provide for our needs. You save our soul. That's the greatest need that we ever had. Christ died for us so that we could have our sins forgiven. We thank you and we rejoice in that. We thank you also that you provide the longings of our heart. Not always in every circumstance, but in some. Uh, the deepest longing of a heart, you speak into our lives. And, and as you did for Sarah, so you do for us. And we thank you for that. We thank you most of all that the scriptures were written to teach us to learn about Christ, to follow him, to know him, to love him, to serve him. And we pray that we would be encouraged to do exactly that on this day. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. Genesis chapter 11, when we first hear about Sarah, she's not called Sarah. She's called Sarai or Sarai. They changed her name. Who changed her name? God did. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Started out Abram and Sarai and became Abraham and Sarah. And if you want to know why and how that changed, you can look back at a message a couple of weeks ago when we focused on that. This morning, we're going to jump right in looking at Sarah. And one of the first things we see is she has a big move coming up. Uh, Genesis chapter 11 and verse 31. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, uh, that Lot is his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. Now, when they lived in Ur, it was not called Ur of the Chaldees because the Chaldees didn't exist yet. But it was called Ur. And then there were a couple other cities called Ur. Like you can go to Baghdad, Iraq, or Baghdad, Arizona. You can go to Paris, France, or Paris, Texas. I'm not sure which would be more scenic for Kathy Berg, but for the rest of you, it would be Paris, France. Uh, so uh, there, there were other cities by the name of Ur. And so when Moses recorded the scripture, he put in that it was Ur of the Chaldees as a reference point for his contemporary audience that was reading it, even though there were no Chaldees when Abraham existed. Abram had been raised in a pagan home, and Sarai was likely to have been also. Uh, if you take your Bible and turn to Joshua, Joshua, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, then Joshua, the sixth book, the 24th chapter of Joshua, there's a little glimpse into how 
Abraham and Sarai might have been raised. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time. Now pause for just a moment. When you read in the scripture about the flood, what do you normally think of? Noah and the ark. This is not Noah and the ark. The flood he's talking about here was the flood of Jordan. The flood of the river Jordan. They lived on the other side of the flood. When Israel came into the promised land, they crossed over the Jordan in full flood. It was flood season. And so he said, Those who lived over there after the flood of Noah, but they lived over there uh, on the other side of the flooded Jordan. Then even Terah. Did we read about Terah in Genesis 11 just a minute ago? Who was Terah? He was Abram's dad, Sarai's father-in-law. Even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. Who's the they? Those guys he just mentioned. Terah probably was a pagan worshiper. Uh, We would like to think that he came to believe in God's revelation through his son Abram and that we'll see him in heaven. Uh, We know we'll see Abram there. We don't have a biblical promise that we will see Terah there. But Terah was raised in pagan idolatry and then he took his family and... Uh, so jump back to Genesis chapter 12 or 11. They were going to go from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. So they started out in Ur of the Chaldees, which is a modern-day Iraq, Iran, uh, in that area between those countries. And they were heading to Canaan, which is modern-day Israel. And they went up. Uh, The journey, you didn't cut across the desert. You went up and over, and the total journey was about 1,100 miles. And so they made it 600 miles into this journey, and they stopped in Haran. Why did they stop in Haran? Well, because it was cool that the city has the same name as his son, but it's also possible that uh, they stopped there because he came out of Ur, and the God that was the most predominant one in Ur, was Nana, or Sin, the moon god. And so maybe he stopped in, in uh, Haran because that was also the, the moon god they worshipped there. His son was named after that. So we don't know exactly why. We just know that one of the first things mentioned in Scripture is Sarah moved away from her family. Now, Some women can't wait to get away from their family. But for some, it's a hardship to move away from home. And in their culture, most people lived and died within 50 miles of where they were born. It was very unusual for the average person to go. Some explorers did. Some soldiers did. The average person lived and died within 50 miles of home. That's weird for me and... For any of you raised in military families, that's just impossible to conceive. Uh, But they moved 600 miles. Now, how do you think they moved those 600 miles? They rented a greyhound, right? Uh, No, the greyhound dogs weren't even around then. Uh, They 
they walked. Now, they might have been wealthy. They might have had donkeys and camels, and Sarah might have had the opportunity to ride on. Any of you ever ride on a camel? I never have, but I heard riding on a camel is kind of not quite like riding on a horse and more like, uh, I don't know, but then uh, riding on a donkey, riding on a, and, and rough. And so they would make this journey on foot in a big caravan going. And the Bible only mentions a few people by name, Tara and Abram and Sarai and Lot. But there would have been a large group of people going. Uh, and so they get out there and... They'd stop for a meal. Who would fix the meal? Sarah and the women. Why? Because God planned it that way. Uh, guys, it's okay for you to fix dinner, okay? Um, uh, it's, it's a help to assist your wife in that sometimes. And I know some of you guys are really experts at fixing dinner. You buy pizzas. That's what I'm doing today, so... Uh, but uh, the 600-mile journey, it was an arduous ordeal. It would have taken more than a month of travel time. We, we can't imagine that in our culture. We jump in the car. We're 600 miles away. It's no big deal. Sometimes just for fun, uh, you take off and drive 1,000 miles on your motorcycle in one day, right? Well, I did. Okay. Uh, Now, in chapter 12, they move again from Haran down into Canaan, and that's another 500-mile journey. Now, you're Sarah. You're settled in Haran. It's a city. You have a house. Your husband says, let's move on to Canaan and live in tents for the rest of our lives. How many of you ladies think that sounds cool to go live in the desert in a tent, to live there, stay there? The camping's kind of fun, but that's a long time. Look in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth into the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan they came and they lived in tents. Now, uh, when God spoke, who did God speak to? Abram. Can God speak to women? Yes, of course. The same Holy Spirit can speak to men and women. Quite often within the marriage, though, God leads the husband in a particular way to lead the family. That's part of God's pattern and plan for ministry. And I remember one point, Kathy and I were preparing to, to make a big ministry move, and I felt very led of God to do this, felt the Holy Spirit speak into my life, and, and she didn't feel the Holy Spirit speak into her heart and into her life. And so it was just a little awkward when we were talking about it. We made the decision that we were going to do it. And she said, okay, I believe the Holy Spirit's leading, even though the Holy Spirit hadn't spoken to her. And we packed up and we moved. That's exactly what Sarah did. Now, take your Bible, please, and turn to First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. If you can mark two spots in the same Bible, then you can also mark, mark this spot because we're going to come back close to it in the book of Hebrews a little later. And, but we're going to go back to Genesis before we do that. So 
In 1 Peter chapter 3, Sarah shows up, talking about her. And she is an example to the married women because she showed great respect to her husband. So, you in 1 Peter chapter 3, likewise you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. I realize our culture doesn't like this idea. Our culture said, women should stand on their own. They do not need to submit to a man. And I totally agree, as long as they're single. But God's plan for marriage is the husband leads in the same way the pastor leads in the church, the husband leads in the home. We submit to God by submitting to the authorities that God allows in our lives. Did God say the men needed to lead because they're smarter? No, because they're uh, more gifted intuitively? No. Why should the men lead? Well, you know, I've joked before that I think God said men had to because God knew if he didn't make men do it, they wouldn't. <laughs> and, and they just let the woman do all the work. But it's God's plan. So God is praising Sarah because she's following God's plan. He's talking about wives in subjection to their own husbands. Then look at verse 3. Who's adorning? Let it not be the outward adorning of plating of hair or putting on of gold or putting on of apparel. Now, some people here say, see that? Women should not wear jewelry. Well, um, women should not focus on their jewelry. But if we say absolutely women should not wear jewelry, then what do you do with the last phrase or putting on of apparel? Saying women should not wear clothes? Well, of course not. God planned since the fall in the garden for women to cover up their bodies with clothing. So, ladies, just don't dress in a way that draws attention to your bodies. I've been told, I don't know this, but I've been told that the Queen of England, when she was younger, had the exact same measurements as the most prominent supermodel in America. Same measurements. But when the Queen of England dressed, she dressed to cover it up. And the supermodel dressed to show it off. The Bible said, ladies, dress appropriately, modestly. Don't focus on the outside. Don't draw people's attention to the outside. Now, ladies, don't feel guilty if somebody comes up and says, oh, that's a nice necklace or cool earrings. I think I've done both of those today. Uh, But I, I have... Three daughters and six granddaughters, I notice stuff like that, right? So, so it's okay, ladies, if people notice that. But you don't want to draw attention to your body. You want people to reflect on your character, the inner person. And that's what he says in verse 4. Let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. And it says, this is the way the old women did, the holy women who lived before. Verse 5, after this manner in old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves. They dressed modestly, appropriately, and submitted to their husbands, even as Sarah. You got verse 6 in your Bible, ladies? Yeah. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him what? Lord, let's just try that. If you're sitting by your husband, turn to him and say, How are you, my Lord? (laughs) I didn't hear anything, okay? Now, that's not what he's saying. 
You don't have to say, Lord and Master. Uh, but, but you do have to acknowledge that by God's design, that man that you married is the one who leads in the home. Now, some ladies do not have the luxury of a man who will stand up and follow the Bible. But the God's plan is the man stands up, follows the Bible, leads the family that way, and the wife joyfully partners with him. Now, now verse 6, or look at verse 7. It says, uh, warning to the guys, dwell with your husband, or with, sorry, guys, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So men who abuse their wives or who bully their wives, God said, I don't listen to their prayers. So guys, there's a balance here. You have to honor and cherish your wife, but you also have to lead. So here, we're praising Sarah. This is Mother's Day. We're praising Sarah. Guys, that was just a freebie for you. So ladies, we're, we're rejoicing because here's a lady who said, I'm going to take God's plan for marriage and I'm going to make it work. And she did. And God blessed because of that. Now, back in Genesis. Okay? If you can, mark that spot. We'll be back to the book of Hebrews in a little bit. So back in Genesis, we're going to kind of walk through a couple of verses and uh, when we began this focus on Abraham, I spent time going from um, gen- creation to Abraham. We won't do that, but we're going to walk through her life. So in chapter 14, her husband took all the male servants and went off to war. How many of you ladies have sent a husband or a son off to combat? Yeah, that's, that's difficult. That's hard. This, this is what Sarah had to do. In chapter 15, her husband had another one of those incredible spiritual experiences where God renewed his covenant with Abram and Sarah got to hear all about it secondhand. Sarah had the coolest experience with the Lord. And Sarah's like, okay, happened again. I missed out. No, she was excited for her husband and connected with it. Now, in chapter 16... Sarah gets a lot of flack for what she does here, but we need to be a little more reasonable. Chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid, that it, it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Now, um, you've you got to stop and, and see what's going on here. Um, Sarah had been waiting for this promise for a long time. God told Abraham, Abram, his name got changed to Abram, and he told Abram and Sarah that they would have a kid, a son, and carry on the family line. And they waited for 12 years. And after 12 years, years and and she's not getting younger what happens you don't get younger you don't stay the same what do we do we get older and so she's well past childbearing years and just keeps adding year by year by year and she thinks hey 
I'm not going to be able to produce the heir, but God said Abraham should have a son. So maybe he can have a son through Hagar, my handmaid. In our culture, that seems creepy, right? In their culture, it was kind of normal. If a woman couldn't have sons, she gave one of her handmaids to her husband so sons could be raised up. Uh, We don't obsess over sons like that. Uh, when, when we were expecting kids and people would come up to me and say, what do you want, a son or a daughter? Which do you want? I said, a baby, preferably human. You know, I, I, whether it's a boy or a girl, it's a blessing in our culture. But even in some cultures today on planet Earth, if you have a son, it's more special than if you have a daughter. When I was a business manager, when, when uh, two of my kids were born, uh, when Nathan was born, the owner of the company called me at the hospital and said, Terry, take some time off. Be with your son. Take the rest of the week off. Don't come in. We'll pay you for the days anyway. Just be with your son. And I did. Got three days off. Then Megan was born. He calls me at the hospital after Megan's born. He says, hey, can you get back to work this afternoon? <laughs> Why? Because that's a girl, right? Uh, in our culture, we realize that that's wrong emphasis. But in their culture, it was very important to have a son. And Sarah realized, hey, in her understanding, it's not going to happen through me. So while we recognize the decision she made wasn't the best, we have to also consider the fact that Sarah was trying to accomplish something good. She was a thinker trying to fix things. How many of you ladies wish you could fix your kids? Trying to fix things. And and it doesn't always work out well. So then in chapter 16 and verse 6, or verse 5, Sarah said to Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. And so Abram said to her in verse 6, Do what you want. And she treated Hagar harshly. Now, that seems vindictive, and yet we also recognize that Sarah had had a heartache for years and years. See, in our culture, some women can have kids, some can't. Um, In my family growing up, I'm, I'm not sure how it all worked out, but all of us kids were able to have kids except one sister. And... uh, Kathy and I had no problem having kids. Her sisters both struggled and each had just one. And in our youth group, lots of girls from our youth group were not able to have kids. We recognized, well, that's just the way biology works. But in their culture, it was like um, an insult. If you were a godly woman, of course you would have kids. Well, we recognize that's not true today. We know godly women who some of them never have the opportunity to get married. Some of them ne- get married and never have the opportunity to have kids. And we just trust God and we press on. And that's, but they didn't have the luxury of the theology, all the theology that we have today. So she decides that she is the problem. Abraham has to have an heir, and she is the problem. So if she can just bypass Sarah, then God can work. And it seemed like a good idea, but now she realized it had destroyed the relationship she had with Hagar. And she created a situation that was even worse, and she was 
harsh with Hagar. Now, the Bible even says she was harsh. But she was also hurting. It's been said many times, hurt people hurt people. Got that? If you're hurt, you tend to hurt others. Hurt people hurt people. And so one of the amazing things about Sarah is she was beautiful, even into her 70s and 80s. She was so beautiful in her 80s that foreign princes were trying to marry her. So that's something. I, I can't imagine uh, having been... I can't imagine anybody ever wanting to marry me in the first place, but Kathy did. Praise the Lord for that. But I can't imagine that this, you know, my mom was 75 when she went home to be with the Lord, and I love my mom, and and she was beautiful, but she was beautiful for a 75-year-old, you know. Sarah was at 80 beautiful for a 30-year-old. God had restored her and rejuvenated her, and she was a gorgeous woman physically. And as we've seen in the Bible, in some ways also spiritually. Jump over to chapter 18, okay? Chapter 18. I promise I'll wrap this up in about an hour. So (laughs) chapter 18 and verse number 9. The angels who came and the Lord and his angels came with Abram in a pre-incarnate version of Christ uh, called a theophany or a Christophany where Christ shows up in the Old Testament. And so the Lord says to Abram in verse 9, Where's Sarah thou, thy wife? And he said, Behold in the tent. And the Lord said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife will have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And ceased to be, it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. She was no longer physically possible to have a child. So she thought. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have the pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said, Why did she laugh? And she said, I didn't laugh. Uh, but, But she laughed at the concept of having a child when she was so old. Why didn't she believe God? Well, we have a couple ladies here today in their 80s. What if... God told you you were going to have a child. What would your initial response be? It'd be panic, right? It'd be like, no! Heart attack. Home to be with the Lord, right? Uh, You you would not get... And then if you thought, well, this could really happen, you would laugh. You'd like, "This, this can't be happening. This is crazy. And you know, all Sarah did, she laughed on the inside. Probably a smirk on her face laughed. When God told Abraham, no, you're going to have a kid and it's going to be by Sarah, what did Abraham do? We read it earlier. He fell on his face laughing. He fell on the ground. (laughs) He just couldn't believe it. So we shouldn't make fun of Sarah. This is a mind-blowing thing. God's going to do a miracle. How many of you expect God to do a miracle any old day, right? We don't expect it. We've experienced some of them, but we don't expect them unless God gives a specific promise, which God gives here, and he gives a specific promise. And she had waited 12 years 
waiting for this child. And then she came up with the idea of Hagar, and then that kind of blew up in her face. And so then she waited another 13 years. It's not like, Lord said, Sarah, you're going to have a kid. She waited two months. Oh, finally going to have a kid. Catherine, I heard somebody talking about, oh, how awful it was. She had to wait and wait and wait to have a kid six months after she was married. She was expecting. Well, that's a wait and wait and wait, right? No. But, but see, Sarah waited 25 years. Anybody here, everybody here who's under 25 years old, stand up. So none of you would have been born. 25 years, that's a long time. You guys can sit down. Imagine all the people she saw having kids and the kids grow up. Now, how many of you are around 25 years old and you have kids of your own? Stand up. Just Benjamin and me. I don't know how close around 25. Well, 25 or under. 28? Close enough. Hey, you know, you've been watching people have kids. Now, imagine, you're Sarah. When you first got the promise, you're expecting this kid to be born soon. And now you have waited, and the people who had kids... Their kids are older than Travis and Benjamin, and they're almost Megan's age. And you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. No wonder she laughed. And she was well past childbearing years. That happens over a 25-year span. So she laughed on the inside. Abraham laughed on the outside. And we can belittle her, but I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And hear what God's word says about Sarah. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. In verse 11. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. So here we see God praising Sarah for her faith. God doing a great work in Sarah because of her faith. Now let me share some things with you. In closing, God honors men and women who are faithful to their marriage vows. Abraham and Sarah stayed together through difficulties and hardships. They stayed together. Uh, Also, some couples are just not able to have kids. That's the way it works. That's just the way it is on planet Earth under the curse. But you know what makes it more difficult? When well-meaning people come up to them and say, when are you guys going to have kids? Well, if, if God would provide, they'd love to. Or, what's wrong with you guys? Why can't you have kids? Well, maybe nothing specifically wrong. God just isn't blessing in that way. 
so you can make it easier or harder for them. Uh, and by the way, if you are one of the people who was not able to have kids, do not think that God doesn't trust you with kids. You can have a phenomenal ministry to kids and young people, even if you don't have kids of your own. Uh, we also need to remind ourselves that God keeps his promises. 25 years, that's a long time to wait. And now Abram's, Abraham's 100, and he finally has that kid. I can't imagine having a baby of my own when I'm 43 years older than I am right now. Wow. I'm hoping the rapture comes before I get that old. Now remember this. It may be difficult to trust the Lord because you're going through difficult circumstances. But what God has promised, he will fulfill. That's what he does. So I have one question for you this morning. Will you be remembered for your faith? Hebrews 11 looks back at Sarah. Through faith, also Sarah. Thousand years later, they're talking about Sarah's faith. Two thousand years now since Hebrews was written, we're talking about Sarah's faith. Will you be remembered for your faith. The last words recorded of Sarah in Scripture are her faith in Hebrews 11 and her godly example in 1 Peter 3. What will be the last words said about you? Let's stand. We're going to sing. We're going to sing a hymn that says, Have thine own way, Lord. He's in charge. He makes the rules, we follow, we submit. Sarah did not want to wait 25 years. God let her wait 25 years. God's in charge. Whether you have kids or not, God's in charge. Whether your kids are joyfully following the Lord or being a burden to your heart, God's in charge. You can trust him. You can follow him. And if you're here this morning and you have never asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and be your Savior, you can trust Him today as your Savior. Ask Him to forgive your sins and save your soul. And we can show you from the Scripture how you can know that to be true. I don't know what difficulty you're going through. Some of you have lots of health concerns. God's still God. He's still good. When your body's broken, when your heart breaks, God is good. He is God. You can trust him. Let him work in your heart and life. Will you be remembered for your faith? Let's sing.